Welcome to the CBD Ed Show with Ed Cheney, a CBD industry expert and business executive. In this program, we will discuss the uses of CBD and other methods of treatment that are alternatives but also complement conventional medicines. Now, here is your host, Ed Cheney. Welcome, listeners, to the CBD Ed Show. I'm your host, Ed Cheney, along here with the lovely Kimberly Rose. Hello, everyone. And she's very excited to be here. Yeah, this is this is an exciting show. I, I, I don't know anything about this field, so I'm I'm gonna be listening. Yeah. Well she spent many a years in the law profession, so she has she has uh, she'll have a good insight in this area too. Mm-hmm. Now, this inter- this is an interesting subject because both cannabis and psychedelics are you know, are entering into our market space and they're both a struggle. And there is struggle in a lot of ways. Let me let me preference how we're going to run this show today. So the current drug po- policies are failing. So in the last 50 years, the supply and use of drugs has, has just increased. And it's created a booming black market that contributes to violence, escalates conflict, and breeds corruption. And this is a global issue. So we're in need, in dire need, I'll even say, of a new approach and we're fortunate to have a guest on today's show that likely will have a front row seat and can give us what his perspective is on this dire need uh, for new drug reform. So I would like to introduce Sean Hardwick. He is a regulatory analyst at Mr. Cannabis Law. In the psychedelic industry, Sean drafted Florida's Bill 549 in 2021, which is Florida's first psychedelic, psychedelic legalization bill. And with almost two years in the, regula- in the regulated cannabis industry, he has drafted over 17 marijuana state license applications, business plans, operating procedures, and alike, all for dispensaries, cultivation, and manufacturing facilities. And he's done this in California, Illinois, Massachusetts, Missouri, and New Jersey, and Utah. He's also in the hemp industry as well. And Sean can assist clients to obtain hemp licenses and maintain compliance with federal and state regulatory uh, requirements. Now, I personally know how important someone like this is because Kim and I have a term for this industry, and it often is a shit show mm-hmm. when it comes to regulatory compliance. Anyway, I would like to bring Sean into the show. Welcome to the show, Sean. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, you, you you do have some passion for this industry. I can see that, and I'm I'm pretty sure. I, I would imagine your your calendar is quite full. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of demand for for cannabis businesses out there. Yeah, the challenges absolutely they're just stacked on top of each other. And I know we're we full of uh, the industry is full of entrepreneurs, and they just want to push forward. So they'll be tripping over these regulatory issues still for another five or six years to come. Even when it does start to take some you know, the regulations start to take some traction, it's still going to be a cluster. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This will always be a highly regulated industry, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I think I'd like to start on why you're so passionate about... Uh, I'm sorry, I should lead into this. Sean has participated in substance reform. 
And I'd like to hear from John, what, what, where is the passion behind your participation, or what is the passion behind your participation in substance reform? Yeah, so yeah, so I participate, I guess, both on, on a cannabis and, and psychedelic um, level. So on, on the cannabis side, um, I've been using cannabis since I was 19, uh, you know, mostly for insomnia, because I've, I've had trouble sleeping pretty much my whole life. Yep. Okay. Um, and then just for general relaxation. And it was, it's always been a good alternative to alcohol because, you know, then I was, I was in a fraternity and I was sick of being hungover all the time. So, you know, it, it was great overall. I had a lot of great benefits from it. And, you know, so I always thought it was going to be part of my life, just, just being a casual user and doing whatever, you know, I was doing in life. Yep. And then um, I, I, I noticed or my passion, you know, really came from uh, my grandmother, actually, you know, she, she took a fall uh, a couple of years ago and, you know, really hurt herself. So she had to get um, surgery for it. After surgery, uh, she was prescribed bottles on bottles on bottles of, uh, of painkillers, um, oxycodones, I believe. And so, uh, you know, my grandfather was taking care of her. And so she was prescribed, a, a, I think, like five pills a day or whatever for however long it was. So, uh, you know, I'd watch him, you know, you know, take care of her, uh, just give her, you know, the amount of pills that she's supposed to. And I noticed very, very quickly that, um, you know, her, her personality changed. Like she was the sweetest lady. And then she, she very quickly turned aggressive, very quickly became dependent on, on the painkillers. So, um, so obviously we, we got her off of those. We weaned her off and then we, we, we got her taking CBD. And she obviously reacted really well to the CBD, uh, really helped with the pain and, and helped recover after surgery. And, you know, even to this day, she still uses CBD pretty much every single day. So, you know, obviously it's helped me, it's helped her. But, you know, you hear all the stories, uh, you know, of, of, of people who suffer from, you know, PTSD, you know, first responders, veterans, yep. what have you, um, you know, who, who get these benefits from cannabis and, um, you know, people who who... who who get all these benefits, but it's really, it's really different when you see it, um, firsthand through, you know, somebody that you love, somebody that you care about, you know, um, very quickly become addicted to opioids, um, which had a detrimental effect and very, very quickly, um, saw the benefits of, of cannabis and, and CBD, um, which drastically helped her. So I knew from that point on that I had to, to help people, um, get access to this substance if, if, that's what they wanted. <clears throat> and so on, on the cannabis side, obviously, we help companies, you know, get their licenses. But um, last legislative session, there was, a, there was a bill in Florida to put uh, THC caps on all medical marijuana products. So flour would be capped at 10% THC, and then basically every other product would be capped at 60% THC. So uh. I went and spoke in opposition to that. Because we have 500,000 patients, over 500,000 patients in Florida, almost 600,000 now, who, who use high THC products. And my mom works at a dispensary now, and a lot of her clients are, um, or her patients, I should say, are, are use high THC products. And, and a lot of them are older or, or like I said, first responders or, or just, you know, moms and dads throughout the community. So, um I think it's important that people should should have access to to cannabis if if that's what they think can can help them. And then for for psychedelics, um, 
I was kind of skeptical about psychedelics at first. Um, I didn't really understand them until I actually got into this industry. Um, when, you know, interest started picking up in psychedelics. So started doing my research more and more and realized that there's such tremendous benefits that we're seeing from these psychedelic substances, uh, in particular, like psilocybin, um, uh, anecdotally has, has produced so many, um, you know, wonderful benefits of people for, for for treating PTSD and addiction. And they're now even going through the FDA process to, uh, for, for a bunch of psychedelic substances. So, uh, they're in a weird way, um, almost more legitimate than, than cannabis. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, but they're still all, obviously all federally legal. Um, but they are going through a federal process to become approved as, um, controlled substances or, okay. you know, in, in lower schedule to, you know, be more accessible. Right. But, um, but what we did for Florida is is we looked towards Oregon's legalization market, um, which would create uh, licensed businesses for uh, psilocybin businesses. So they would uh, produce, so like licensed producers would produce psilocybin products. Um, they would be taking the uh, the psilocybin would you know only be sold and used at a uh, licensed uh, treatment facility. Yep under the supervision of a trained professional, um, only persons with, uh, you know, certain conditions uh, would be able to, you know, go to the facility. Um, they would consume the psilocybin in the facility, and then um, accommodations would be made to transport them home. So that was the, the bill that we introduced in Florida, and to have a legalization framework like that. Yep. So that's going to look completely different than, of course, the, the cannabis model, which is, you know, you go to the dispensary and buy your product and go home and consume it there. Yeah, recreation. This is much more of a, um, you know, a medical procedure, much more of a medical process yep. that's behind this. Yep. And so, again, the passion lies there that we've had so many, um, there's so many studies, there's so many uh, results of, of people overcoming addictions and overcoming traumas and over. Um, in a much safer way than, than traditional uh, treatments, especially with opioids and, and stuff like that. So, and people are seeing such tremendous results. So yeah. again, I think people should have access to these substances if they so desire. Well, and you think this would be an easy path uh, because all you're asking for is just for it to show up a little lower on the controlled substance list so that it, it has that, isn't there's one of them there that says uh, it wants to be controlled but it has medical or medicinal uh, contributions to it, or it, it can contribute to medicinal, but medicinal things, Yeah, right? so, yeah. yeah, so controlled substances are scheduled on, a, uh, on classes one, or schedule one through five. Yep. Um, schedule ones are defined, uh, you know, as substances with no medicinal value. Yeah. Um, and so we have ketamine right now. So obviously, cannabis or marijuana is a Schedule One controlled substance. That's why we have all of these issues. Yeah. And um, you know, psychedelic substances such as psilocybin and LSD and MDMA and all and all those sorts of things, they're also Schedule One controlled substances. Ketamine is a Schedule Three controlled substance. You know, which means it's it's already gone through FDA approval process, and that's why you can receive ketamine treatments in medical clinics. Okay. Because it's a lower it's a lower schedule, so you're exactly right. 
it, it is an easy ask. We're just asking that it be, you know, there is actual medicinal value to it. The, the evidence is there. The evidence is abundant. That's what I would so say. Yeah. We, we're just proposing that it's used in, in, you know, in a regulated and safe manner. Yeah. Uh, is FDA stopping that process? Have they not approved? If the, is, is that what you believe the choking point is? Is they've not going through the traditional approval process? No, I think the FDA uh, is actually pretty open to the to psychedelics, and it and it's because they're going through like the FDA approval process, whereas cannabis is not because it's just um, you have THC, which is in an FDA product called uh, Marinol, yep, and then CBD is in an FDA product called Epidiolex, yep, so. Those are the only two products that have gone through the FDA process, um, and 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 traditional marijuana just has not. So, so the FDA actually, um, you know, prefers these substances going through the formal FDA process. And even psilocybin um, was received a breakthrough designation, which means that it was seeing results that were you know better than um, substances that are used to to treat. Um, that disorder, which is which is major depressive disorder, um, so with, and so breakthrough designation means that uh, it's going to go through a quicker process uh, to receive approval than okay. than other substances because the studies that have already been conducted have have proven that there have been effective results. So it still has to go through. It still has to go through phase two and phase three and receive approval, but okay. it's actually going through at a little bit of an expedited process which is very promising. All right, good deal, good deal. I want to I want to back up just a minute for you, Sean, if I could. I would like to uh, express my gratitude uh, for both your using your talent, your passion, and your credentials to help this industry. It absolutely could not move without people like you that knew how to get around the system and and and, and bend it in our direction because it's already being bent in other directions. So you, I think you, I wanted to say you help us get that balance. Thank you. Um, two, I, I wanted to share, when you were telling me your purpose for use, sleep, alcohol, grandma, both Kim and I had to be going, oh, yeah, we can connect. And I'm sure that the majority of our listeners are connecting to that as well. And, and we all have great stories. And when you did the, when you shared the alcohol one, I mean, that's the one, that's the one component people don't talk about that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that alcohol is just really tough on you, and it has such it has such destructive tendencies with it. And so, we, being able to move over to cannabis, which does not have those those destruction destructional characteristics to it, is just it just seems like such an easy decision. Yeah, but full of judgment. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you, Sean. I appreciate you sharing that piece, and I appreciate you contributing to the industry. We can move on. <laughs> I really wanted to get that in. Yes, I think both Ed and I, well, I know I introduced cannabis to Ed um, when we first met, and he said, well, wait a minute, what? You do, mar- you do marijuana for sleep? What, what do you do? What, 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 what does that look like? And I introduced it to him, and, and after a while he said, you know what, I, I had a stigma with this that um, was way, came from way back when, and, and that stigma is gone. So, yes, anytime we can find somebody that brings 
a, a legitimate discussion uh, and has, you know, a lot of people that they say, oh, well, if you do marijuana or you do pot, you're a stoner, you, yeah. you're not going to get out of bed, you're not going to get, you have no drive, you're this, you're that. So I think the more uh, professional people that come aboard are, are they're always welcome. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Well said, Kim. Well said. The, when it comes to, well, I'll go, I'll go to cannabis first. Uh, I would love to hear where the choking point do you think, uh, is with, uh, cannabis moving to its next state. Uh, and I'm, you know what? I apologize. Let's just move over to the hemp side of cannabis. So I know there is a bill in Congress, Market Sta uh, Stabilization Act. Do you have any insight on that you can share with us? That I have not. Okay. All right. I've not followed that at all. No. Yeah. I, I know it's got. I know it's got some movement to it. And when I hear people speak of it, they su they suggest that it has potential of making it through. Uh, but I am not a politician, so some of that language goes right over the top of my head. Uh, how about with uh, the the uh, psilocybin? What, what do you believe yes. will be the battle you'll need to overcome? Yeah, so, so the um, legislation for, for psilocybin is, is going through at a, at a state level. There's nothing on, on the federal level okay. uh, for any sort of legalization or, or decriminalization. Uh, but what's interesting about psychedelics is that there's three different types of frameworks so the most common that we're seeing throughout the United States is, is decriminalization. So the, uh, the only state that's done that so far is, is Oregon. Okay. Um, but this is, there's proposed legislation in California, New York, and Vermont to, to accomplish the same thing. But this is what we're seeing done on a, uh, on a municipality level, on a local government level. Um, so we see municipalities such as Denver, Oakland, Santa Cruz, Ann Arbor, um, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay. They've all uh, decriminalized, and, and Washington, D.C. as well. Um, so, so on the state level, Oregon was uh, decriminalization means that, you know, possession of um, a certain amount of, of any substance is, is basically legal. Um, you won't, you're not going to go to jail. You're just going to receive um, a minor citation in lieu of going to jail. Okay. Um, and then on the local level, uh, the decriminalization is basically symbolic because local governments don't have the authority to, to switch state laws. So they're basically just directing the, the, the uh, local law enforcement uh, not to prioritize uh, minor offenses for these substances, oh. such as like minor possession sure. and, and stuff like that. Um, and so it's mostly symbolic in nature, and it, it could because, because again they just don't have the authority to, to switch um, state law. And then there's the the legalization framework, um, which again Oregon's the only state which which has accomplished. And I already talked about that earlier. It's you're going to have licensed businesses, and um, you know limited access to the substances. Medicinal only. Um, and they're only going to be. Yeah, they're only they're going to be produced by um, licensed businesses and only consumed um, in medical okay. treatment centers. Right. <clears throat> so again, that's only in Oregon, and then you had the proposed legislation that we introduced in Florida. There's also proposed legislation in Hawaii, and then California has um, 
uh, a proposed legalization bill, which which says that um, possession of the uh, of a certain amount is actually legal. It's not just you're not going to jail or you're going to receive a citation. It's that like receiving up a, a personal amount of you know any substance is is legal. Okay. So it's technically a, a legalization framework. And then our, our last framework is the research framework, and Texas is the only state that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's passed legislation for that. So that is just um, the state intends to, to research these substances to make sure that they're going to be, you know, viable for, for use in, in the state, um, which is a great first step. Okay. And so there's proposed legislation to do that, again, in, in Connecticut and New York. All right. So it sounds like it's getting traction. The uh, so maybe you can add to this for our listeners, or, or just share your thoughts on this because I went to Google and I typed in uh, psilocybin, and the response I got was crazy. So it looks like half the planet is legal, the other half doesn't know, and there's just this mix of results coming back from typing in either. Uh, psilocybin or magic mushrooms. And I'm pretty sure there are a number of people searching at from a recreational place. What do you have to share to those? Yeah, so for, I mean, for the majority of the world, um, psychedelics are, are mostly illegal. Um, there's, there's a lot of countries though that it's either you know either gray or they just either don't know about the, the substances, so they're not really that regulated. Um, uh, Denmark has is is sort of a not Denmark. Uh, the Netherlands is sort of a, is sort of a developing network because they're sort of in a gray zone. Yeah. Um, but you really see people um, go to retreatment centers in like Jamaica, Costa Rica, and in the Bahamas, places like that. Um, it's not necessarily, some of them, some of them are legal, some of them are not, but it, it, it's mostly, everyone's mostly operating on, on, on a gray, <laughs> on the gray yeah. market right now. Okay. We, and that's what it appears when you, when you look at it up in Google, that's what it appears. It looks gray as, as gray could get. Maybe it's just too new yet, or, but I mean, it's not new, but it is new to the public. Yeah. You know, um... You probably know the answer to this. Sean, how will the public benefit then if this is allowed in the medicinal community? Uh, ease of access in the medicinal community here in the United States. How, how will the public benefit from that? Yeah, I think, I think the more people that have access, access to these substances, the more, the more uh, healing we're going to see in this country. I mean, we have a lot of people who as soon as they, they see an ailment, they reach for the, the pill drawer and they, they'll pull out the ibuprofen, they'll pull out yeah. the opioids, they'll pull out whatever it is that, you know, to, to treat their ailments. But like even ibuprofen's in every single one of our medicine cabinets and only t it only takes 12 of them to for anyone to overdose. No one has ever died on just pure cannabis. Obviously we've had the deaths with the uh, um, vitamin E acetate in, in the vaporizer cartridges and stuff like that. So those have all been chemicals that have been added to, to cannabis products where we've seen adverse effects. Right. But from pure cannabis, we've never seen anybody overdose. We haven't, we haven't seen adverse effects like that. So Thank you for pointing that out. I think the out. more people that have access to this, I think, you know, we'll, we'll have safer 
and and better results overall. Yeah, and and so good good for the consumer. Uh, Economy is going to take uh, a positive turn on that as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's a shame that a process takes so it it is so slow. It's so burdened by its size. Well, I think the problem is is that the government just does not trust. Uh, us individuals to self-regulate ourselves like we we know and uh, now i i know that there's a portion of the world out there that wants to overdo but for the most part if you're a cannabis user and you've been one you know where your limits are you know what you should and shouldn't do or you know you know your limits and they just don't trust that we can take care of our own dosing i would have thought cannabis was the easiest especially if i put it side to side by side with alcohol yeah because if I look at cannabis user in general they are much more responsible much more Calm. accountable for their use where when I go look at the alcohol users I'm like oh crap <laughs> it it really is it's it's there's bar fights there's shootings there's car accidents uh, you just name it it's a mess yeah yeah so you would have thought cannabis uh, much like Sean had talked to it earlier I needed to move over because alcohol was destructive. Right. And so when I'm thinking about the economy, I'm like there certainly would be a reduced impact to our economy if cannabis was more accessible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. Your thoughts on that, Sean? Am I in a, you think that's a reasonable direction? No, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, where, where I think the, you know, contention comes in is that you know, cannabis and psychedelics, um, but obviously more so cannabis. It, I, mean, well, I mean, they're both, but they're both, uh, they're both psychoactive substances. Um, you know, obviously cannabis gets you high, psychedelics make you hallucinate. So, so obviously there, there is a reason to have some apprehension to, to these substances, right? But as you guys both correctly pointed out, the vast majority of, of cannabis users are responsible users. They, they, they don't overdo it. They, re, they use it responsibly. And, and going, like, like, I, I, like I said before, my mom works at a dispensary. Many of the clients are over 70 years old. So these aren't, these aren't you know, reckless people. They're, they're responsible adults. Yes. So, you know, so the apprehension, I think, comes from, one, not only this is, these are, these are uh, substances that have been illegal for, for over 50 years now. So it's just, getting people to come around to, to 2021 and realize that maybe uh, laws that were created 50 years ago are no, are no longer good. Maybe we should reevaluate, especially with the overwhelming evidence that has been presented over those years um, of these substances. But I do think it ultimately comes down to, you know, these laws have been in effect for so long, just getting people to overcome that. And then two is just these are psychoactive substances. So there's that abrasiveness right there. Yeah, yeah. Right, let me turn the conversation over to business if I could. Sean, so we watched the cannabis in the, the open market, and it, when it first started, it, were, it was medicinal only. Now, when it hit the market, we saw all the complications. We saw how the market quickly grew. How will... Uh, how will psilocybin show up in the market? Will it look anything like the cannabis, or do you think it'll be a different path? I, th- I think it'll be a different path. I mean, because like I said, it's 
all the substance, all the psychedelic substances are taking a different path right now to begin with. So they're they're all going to be FDA approved eventually. Okay. Um, you know, MDMA is likely to be approved in the next few years. Psilocybin probably in the next five to ten. So we're we're going to start to see these substances approved. Um, but again, they're they're more likely going to be a a sort of framework where you're going to a treatment center or a hospital versus you going to a store and then bringing that product home to consume it. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be more of of, of of the supervised medical treatment, and then so I don't think we're really gonna get to a, a place where we're gonna see like mushroom stores where you walk in and get your mushrooms and then you walk out and just like a dispensary. But where I do see a, like a little bit of, 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 of a practical consumer product coming into play are, are microdosing because taking small amounts of these substances, while it doesn't create a, a hallucinogenic effect or, ther- you know, a more therapeutic effect, which could have greater benefits and a more longstanding benefit, but it's, it's a more um, drastic experience. But when you take a microdose, of these substances, which is a very small amount, yeah. you're still getting some of the medical benefits of these substances, but you can, you know, they're pretty much vitamins. Do you think it will... So I, where I, I think, yeah, I think we'll see some sort of microdose products from these substances available um, as, as sort of like the closest thing to like a recreational product that we'll see. Okay. And it will be, it sounds like it will be similar to the CBD or the hemp and the marijuana plant where the marijuana plant is very heavily regulated and the hemp, as long as it conforms to the minimum THC content, sounds like the microdosing. Yeah, absolutely. A little less restrictive and, okay, interesting. Um, All right, okay. Sean, we're going to take a break. Listeners, we're going to take a break. Give our our, uh, announcers time to share their wares. And we're going to come back and continue to talk about this regulated, unregulated space of psychedelics. So we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Live authentically. Heal naturally with Canafil. We have three unique blends for pain relief, reducing stress, and promoting healthy sleep. Visit Canafil.com for the convenience of online shopping that includes free shipping. Or if you're in Arizona, stop by our store in Phoenix for personal consultation and product selection. Our friendly staff is here to help you. All of our products have full third-party testing and a seven-day satisfaction guarantee. Call 480-599-1003 or visit Canafil.com. Canafil, giving you your life back. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You are tuned in to the CBD Ed Show. If you have a question that you'd like addressed on a future episode of our program, please send an email to info at the com. That's info at the com. Now, back to the CBD Ed Show. Welcome back, listeners, to the CBD Ed Show. I'm here with lovely Kimberly. Hello, everyone. Sean Hardwick, regulatory analyst at Mr. Cannabis Law. And we have been talking about cannabis and psychedelics coming into the market and facing lots of regulatory issues. Now, as we move into the bigger picture, because as Sean had shared with us, psychedelics specifically, this psilocybin, has lots of medicinal benefits even more so when you compare them to the pharmaceutical comparisons. I mean, those are, there's some pretty dangerous drugs. We're all very aware of them. Yes. Sean has uh, proposed lots of reform or lots of strategies to do nothing more than just simply move psilocybin from a Schedule One down to a Schedule Three. It can still be controlled, but is now allowed to be used in in, uh, in medical uh, medical spaces. And I think I said that correctly, did I, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> so, you know what? I want to have an interesting conversation. Uh, so here we are comparing. We're comparing some of these natural solutions with man-made pharmaceuticals. Well, let's go right to a comparison we're all very familiar with, and that's alcohol versus versus marijuana. Alcohol versus marijuana. And I'll start this interesting story. So Kim's heard this one before. So maybe 12 years ago, I'm at a campfire with the Boy Scouts. Uh, I'm running the team. So I've got all these mothers or parents, mostly mothers, all around the campfire. It's late in the evening. Boys are off doing stuff or, you know, putting their tents up or whatever. And I made the suggestion that, you know, I don't want my boys drinking a bunch of alcohol when they go into college. I'd rather have them smoke marijuana. And wow, I thought I was going to get hung that night. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. But I think the opinion has changed over the last 12 years. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's, yeah, yeah. It's became very obvious. Sean, what do you, what do you think about that conversation? I think you, I, you share that with us, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do, I do think there's obviously a growing trend, a growing acceptance of, of cannabis year after year. I mean, it, it's getting to a point now where it's getting so hard to ignore. It's, it's getting hard to ignore. The evidence is getting hard to ignore the numbers because we, we now have, what is it, 37 medical states, 19 adult use markets in, in Washington, D.C. So, you know, Obviously, people across this country are, are demanding these products. Yeah, right. And so I, I just think the stigma that, you know, that it's this evil taboo plant that, that's harmful and creates nothing but lazy stoners, I, I think that's starting to slowly but surely go out the window, especially as we see cannabis sales starting to exceed alcohol sales in, in states like Illinois. Yeah. So the numbers are, are pretty clear that the people's, you know, demands are starting to shift away from, from alcohol towards cannabis. Yeah, so it, it, I, I'm going to share some of the views I had picked up off of, off of Google in my search on how people were feeling about 
cannabis. And, and back in, in the earlier years, it was marijuana. Nobody used the word cannabis. But anyway, in 1994, let me read something. 1994... A report published by the Center of Addiction and Substance Abuse reported that marijuana users are 85 times more likely to use cocaine than non-users. Okay, and then we move to 2008. (laughs) Not only are there ad campaigns and lobby pushes, but here's the message. Marijuana, gateway to heroin. Oh my gosh! I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that stupid. Yeah, that was probably that, prob- that campaign was a big one. Ugh. Yeah, and the timing was well designed. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was right at the front of the movement. Well, sure, they wanted they want to take uh, a parent and terrorize them, <laughs> which is so ridiculous. Yeah, lobby groups. Yeah, John knows how these guys work. Uh, 2000, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> 2017, uh, alcohol abuse is more likely than cannabis to play a role in events such as traffic accidents and violence. Finally. Thank you. <laughs> right? So a little bit of the public opinion moving over the course of, you know, 20, 30 years. It years. is, it is changing. And I think it, it's definitely changing for the positive. Uh, even my customers that come in and they'll say, oh, no, I don't want anything with THC in it. I don't want the marijuana. Now, they are an older group that come in and say that. But it, by the time they leave, I've informed them that th- there isn't enough THC in here for you to even fill. It's a CBD. It's everything in here from my, in my stores from the hemp plant. Yep. Um, you should never be afraid of THC. There is nothing wrong with it. Um, and I think after they finally are convinced and do try it, they come back and they go, wow, yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought it was just going to be a whole different experience. A lot of them are, I thought I wasn't going to be able to drive or function or anything. And so I, slowly but surely... As long as we have good, positive role models, good, you know, yeah. there's always going to be those people that go overboard. And that's fine as long as you come back and re- regulate yourself and say, okay, now I know my milligrams. Now I know where yeah. I belong. You know something else that is changing because of the process that you, you just spoke of, that we've been kind of moving away from that mindset is we're also decreasing social marginalization of our population. So those who are systematically excluded because they're users, so they're excluded from lots of things, uh, money and, and, and health and opportunities just because they're users. So that is shrinking. And there is a lot of economic consequences of populations being marginalized. Yes. And there was even a study that suggested that when this, when uh, adults entered their 20s, there was a big study and they probably gathered a lot of participants, cannabis users were increasingly located at, mar- at the margins of society and characterized by poor education, unemployment, and low levels of income, whether they had it or not. They were characterized by that, and it started as early as their 20s. Nothing before then, and I, that, that was, that was the, uh, the summary of this study, and I thought it was interesting to share. The, um, 
There is another big game being played here, and I bet Sean can really speak to this one. And it, it, this is the, the economic crises, crisis that was caused by our current drug reform policies. How about the biggest one? War on drugs. Let's see here. I've got, I've got interesting statistics on this one. Let me just start it off this way. Over the past four decades, federal and state governments have poured over $1 trillion into the drug war and relied on taxpayers to foot that bill. Unfortunately, these tax dollars haven't solved the problem and they were, that they were intended to solve while creating a whole new set of huge problems. Let me see here. In 1990, the United States had 50,000 people behind bars for drug law violations. Now we have a half a million. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. More than one million people are arrested simply for drug possession in the U.S. That's one every 23 seconds. There's money laundering. There's demand for drugs in the United States has remained constant and is an enormous financial burden. Uh, it, it's delirious how in need we are of new drug reform and it's not even the United States. This is a global problem. Yeah. What do you know, Sean? You got to have some front front row insight on this, don't you? Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, the, the numbers you just presented speak for themselves. If The, the United States has spent over a trillion dollars in, in combating these substances, which has resulted in millions of people in jail. Um, with with the uh, with the intent of obviously suppressing drug use, but what has happened as a result? Um, you know, we, we we've had people wrongfully incarcerated. We've had uh, families separated, uh, and like you guys said, we've had um, certain impacts of society or certain parts of society impacted much greater than other parts. Yeah. Um, so obviously, this has been a completely disastrous investment for the United States. And on top of that, the demand for these controlled substances hasn't gone away, and we still see thousands and thousands of, of overdoses every single year. So it's been a very unsuccessful investment for the United States. Yeah. So clearly we do need drug reform that, that basically, you know, permits, uh, you know, possession of these substances without completely ruining people's lives and without wasting taxpayer money. There is, uh, seems to be a lot of waste. And I think the interesting thing about it is the, the general population is becoming aware. I don't believe anybody knows what to do. And it's interesting they don't know what to do because this whole model was played out in the 1920s with prohibition. That didn't work. They threw a lot of tax dollars, resources, and they used violence. They're using the same in the drug war today. Lots of wasted tax dollars, violence to accomplish as opposed to, you know, alternative programs or, you know, yeah, it's, so there's got to be other driving forces in here. And sometimes there is a trail, a money trail that you can follow. There's distorted incentives that are in law enforcement and political decisions. What do we call this, Kim? Uh, shit show. That's what we call it. <laughs> when I was in the legal world uh, many years ago, uh, we I did criminal defense, and California was 
uh, had medical marijuana was legal over there. I think maybe even recreational. I can't remember. But there's a little town. It's a big town, actually, in between California, right at the border. It's Yuma, Uh California, and Arizona. And they set up a whole, you know, drug force task, whatever you want, checkpoint there. And they would just bust these guys right and left. They have a whole brand new downtown for marijuana possession from, you know, these kids coming from California, coming back home to Arizona with nothing more than a a little bit of pot. Mm. And, you know, so money drives a lot of things. It it created an entire economy. Yeah. And that's just one. Yeah. One little Piece yeah. of America. Good old Arizona all, all also had three strikes and you're out. It didn't matter if you had a roach. It didn't matter if you had just a pipe and no pot. Just three strikes. You're this is your third strike. You're going to prison for God knows how long. So it's it it's it was it was ridiculous. It was a really bad idea. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I I think we even saw this in the marijuana. So you know it inflated the price, create, created black markets. And, of course, you know, all the, the wars. Yeah. People protecting theirs. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know what? We are turning that all around. We are no longer going to allow that. People like Sean, people like us talking about cannabis, making it a positive experience for the world is probably the most important. The only thing we can do is spread the word and be good examples. Yeah, Sean, absolutely. Rather than proposing specific policies for increasing prevention, like what we've been doing mindlessly for over a century, uh, instead, treatment services directly to directly impact drug use. You know, try to solve it that way. Sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're somebody that's committing a crime to obtain drugs, then there's obviously an, a, an issue that you need help with. And it's not incarceration. That's not going to help you. You're just going to, I can't get on this soapbox because I'll just keep going. <laughs> well, I did read something, and I'll just, I'll just quote it. In countries that bear the brunt of the drug war violence, such as Mexico, Mexico Bolivia, Colombia, Prominent leaders are speaking up more and more about benefits of ending prohibition, suggesting that they believe ending drug prohibition is the key to reducing drug war violence and restoring peace and destabilizing regions uh, that are participating in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the awareness is happening. Sean, you're on the front of it. We love that. Yes. Yes, we always thank you for, for, for all that you do and everyone else that's up there doing what they can um, so that us little CBD stores and mer- medical marijuana facilities can continue to get medicine to people that really need it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. It's our pleasure. I mean, we have so many people across this country who get benefits from, from marijuana and, and hemp you know, direct products. So, you know, it's important that everyone have access to this. Yeah. Yeah. And Sean, I don't have any real, real uh, evidence that this happened, but I was quite sure that FDA and, you know, the the pharmaceutical market uh, were going to be successful in taking this plant from us. And they made quite a few attempts. I think the, uh, the CBD pharmaceutical, FDA passed pharmaceutical, uh, was a literally a great a great trust move. 
So as I had shared on other shows, because the FDA had approved a pharmaceutical with the main ingredient being CBD, it removed it from the ability to be a dietary substance based on rules and laws that we all agreed to. Uh, So that was a very strategic play. So to your point, Kim, and to yours too, Sean, it had to be the public who had put the pressure on our government so much so that they couldn't go behind doors and do backdoor deals that it was people like my grandma do not take this medicine away from her. Right. Right? Those kind of conversations, I bet, were in abundance. Yep. And so I, I always feel very grateful that we had a, a form, a, a place to speak like podcasts, you know, like social media to get the message out that this plant was capable of what it was capable of. And then society public spoke. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and and the, if we can get the, well, listen, the older generation is going to come along when they want. And a oh, yeah, lot of, of them already yeah. have. Um, but it's younger, uh, the younger generation that is going to have to keep this fight going. And I, uh, I don't know how old you are, Sean, but we're not that young. <laughs> so we depend on you guys uh, to keep it going and keep it because when I'm older, I mean, I'm using a CBD every day now, but uh, and I can I can't imagine taking another Advil. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the younger generation, I'm hoping, is as enthusiastic as we are, and we'll keep it going. Yeah. Hey, Sean, can I ask what, and you can really summarize this, uh, but I, I wouldn't mind hearing both of your predictions on cannabis in general. Let's just say if you had a time capsule and we're moving 10 years into the future. So it is now, you know, 19, or 2031. Uh, what do those two markets look like? Huh. Well, I think we're going to see a lot more states with recreational. Um, if it's not federally legalized by then, we're going to have the vast majority of states with a, with a recreational market. And on top of that, I think we're going to see more, a lot more social use consumption um, facilities, which uh, are basically equivalent to cannabis bars. So that oh, you okay. go purchase your product and consume at the facility there. Because right now the only place that you can really consume cannabis lawfully is, is in a private home. Yeah. So right now there's nine states that permit social use, but I, I think in 10 years that's going to be a lot more prevalent. It's a great way to, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, enjoy consuming cannabis, especially in a, in a social environment. Um, and as we were talking about before, most, most consumers are responsible. And so I think the states that can prove early on that this is uh, that w- there can be a regulated model for social consumption. I think we're going to have a lot more states in, in the next few years um, adopting that model as well. So I think we're going to see a lot more recreational and a lot more uh, social consumption in the next few years. Okay. And while we're on cannabis, uh, do you have any anything to share on the hemp side of that? Um, hemp. Hmm, I think we're going to see a lot more developments with. Uh, you know, processors playing around with cannabinoids. We, you know, we've seen uh, a lot of demand for, for Delta-8 THC um, hemp products. Uh, we're seeing a lot of CBG products, CBN, um, you know, cannabinoids that are not, you know, just not just CBD and Delta-9 THC. So I think we're going to see, a, uh, you know, a lot more 
uh, a lot a bigger variety of products as, as processors uh, learn more about the over 100 cannabinoids that are naturally found in, in cannabis. Yeah, yeah, and their uses, we would agree too. Uh, what about psychedelics? You see uh, more than psilocybin into the market. I know you've already spoken of a few others. So 10 years from now, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, not far behind psilocybin is LSD. Um, that's shown promising results for anxiety and, and cluster headaches. So um, and by 10 years' time, we might, we might see LSD uh, come close to approved as well. And then not far behind LSD, uh, all in phase one, are DMP, uh, mescaline, ayahuasca, and then the uh, combination of MDMA and LSD. They're all in phase one. So um, so I think by 10 years, you know, you'll, you'll have seen MDMA and psilocybin approved, LSD not far behind, and then, you know, some, you know, DMT, mescaline, ayahuasca, all those are, are, are there's going to be a lot more... Um, societal education and there's going to be a lot more acceptance of these substances and uh they'll they'll be close to being accepted as well okay approved by the by the federal government as well and i'm pretty sure the uh, baby boomers will flinch at these oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> i mean if, they, if, if there's been such abrasiveness to, to to cannabis i mean the eyes start rolling once you start saying lsd and dmt and yeah, right. in a serious manner <laughs> right. yes yes uh, but it's such a better alternative than what our current Western medicine is pulling off right now. Yes, it's a natural. I assume, I think all these things come from a natural plant, a natural substance, as opposed to a chemical. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, listen, uh, show, we're, John, we're coming close to the end of our show, but I wanted to make sure I took the time to thank you. For your contribution today, again, I appreciate it. Your your talent and your and your passion. Uh, if uh, you wanted to share anything, uh, if uh, a way to contact you, uh, anything like that, feel free to do so now. It's a good opportunity if any of our listeners want to reach out to you. Sure, do a shout out, Sean. <laughs> All right, cool. So first, thank you guys for for having me on, and and thank you for for spreading the word and. For, for all that you guys do. Sure. And uh, you can find it, yeah, you can find us at uh, mrcannabislaw.com across all of our socials at Mr. Cannabis. And then uh, you can con- uh, email me at shardwick at mrcannabislaw.com. All right. Very, very easy. Absolutely. Again, enjoyed our conversation with you today. And I want our listeners to know that in yeah, our likewise. next our next show, we're going to continue this route. Sean, we're actually going to talk about the 21 cannabis-related bills that are in Congress. Kind of give everybody an, uh, <laughs> right, uh, one by one. Here's the success possibilities. Here's what these stand for. I don't know. So I've been watching these things over the years. So I'm starting to become a little educated on how that process works. And I, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've been surprised quite often, to be honest. But anyway, <laughs> we want to thank you listeners for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed our show. That's a wrap for today's episode of the CBD Ed Show. And this is Ed. And this is Kim. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the CBD Ed Show. Please join your host, Ed Cheney, for another edition next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We can also be heard each week on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, enjoy the upcoming weekend, and we'll be back with you soon.